Hello folks, a very happy new year to you all and it's time for another episode of Campbell's Footballs! Yes, a very warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. Well, the Scottish Premiership may be on its winter break, but there is still plenty for myself and my guests this week to discuss during the Christmas period. Rangers just two points behind Celtic with a game in hand. Who is now favourite for the title? And what about the English Premiership? Liverpool now world champions as well as Champions League winners and a shoo-in to seal their first Premier League title. What about the battle for second? Is it simply Leicester against Manchester City? Who could get in that top four? Are Chelsea on the slide? What about United, Spurs and anybody else on the outside? What about Arsenal under Mikel Arteta? How are they going to respond? And also Everton and Ancelotti. How are they going to do as well? My guest this week is journalist and massive Celtics fan, Anthony Joseph. And I'm really looking forward to discussing all that has been going on, as well as intrigued about his career to date. This is, of course, Campbell's Footballs in association with, as always, Toby Johnson Music. Well, it's a real pleasure to be back for 2020 on Campbell's Footballs and for my first show of the new year, I'm joined by journalist and big Celtic fan, Anthony Joseph. Anthony, a warm welcome to the show. Hello, Grant. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, a very happy new year to yourself, man. I hope uh, hope things are well. Yeah, it was all good. It was fine to be back in Scotland for, for Christmas and New Year. You have a good one as well? Yeah, I had a, I had a fairly quiet one this year actually, but it was really nice nonetheless. And uh, as I said, it's been a bit of a busy twenty. It was a bit of busy twenty nineteen for myself. So uh, yeah, it was really nice to take a, a couple of weeks break from doing the show, which was which was nice. But I'm I'm really getting, looking forward to getting stuck back in again. Yeah. No, no worries at all. Um, so I really wanted to know a little bit more about um, what you do, and, and maybe you can enlighten uh, my listeners uh, to a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm a journalist. I've been for nearly ten years now. I used to work up in, in Scotland uh, for the Aberdeen Evening Express, which everyone will know up there, and then moved uh, south to the Mail Online. Uh, doing news there, and, but now I'm at uh, Kicker Media. We do like video features uh, with English Premier League players, mainly for mobile networks in the Far East and abroad, Middle East, and things like that as well. So, yeah, that's that's just a, uh, the few places I've, I've worked on so far. But yeah, it's been a, a very enjoyable and uh, quite quite a nice career I've had so far. So it sounds exciting. What 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 made you want to go into the world of journalism in the first place, Anthony? Um, well, I actually always wanted to be a journalist ever since I was a little boy. Um, I think even my primary school teachers would uh, tell my parents that um, I think he's going to be a writer when he when he's older because uh, we used to come come back on Mondays from the 
from our weekends and this is at St Joseph's Primary School in Aberdeen and uh, the teachers would ask us to, to write about our weekends on the Monday and I would just write match reports from the football matches I was watching and uh, they, were, they would tell my parents oh, I think he's going to be a writer when he's older or something, something to do with football anyway and then also I used to everyone will know what their top boy is from the Home Alone films and maybe some people have them themselves I, I used to Yeah. That game, that's I remember that game. That game sticks out of my head. Just doing it from my bedroom in a little small box of a TV, just commentating on the game on my top boy. But uh, yeah, when I when I got to secondary school, I was I was really keen. I got involved in like a school newspaper, which we did, and I got work experience at the Aberdeen Independent newspaper. Not many people will remember that, but well, certainly people my age would. But um, the older generation definitely will. Um, it was a free newspaper in Aberdeen called The Independent. So I got work experience there and then the uh, Evening Express uh, did a story on the, in their school shout section saying that I wanted to be uh, the next Charlie Allen because I wanted to be a sports, <laughs> uh, sports journalist which got me a lot of stick from my age. I remember at the time when school people wanted to be next Charlie Allen was the headline and then six years later he was my boss. But, um, so it's quite a nice story to it. It sounds to me that your passion for the game really drove you to get to where you are at the moment. Certainly from your past experiences, that's what I get, anyway. Yeah, uh, it's, football was a huge, huge part of my life. It's uh, driving force in many aspects of uh, even my, my knowledge of things like that. I always remember I, I know capital cities through football. I know flag countries through football from the World Cups many years ago. And stuff I'm like exactly that. the same. <laughs> players who sort of helped you on your journey to date was there anybody that you you really thank for helping you on your on your way well yeah definitely well the evening express and the editor at the time was Damien Bates um, who gave me my first contract when I was 19 but even just allowed me to be come in for work experience when I was like 16 17 18 um, Alan McCabe and Craig Walker were the, the more junior editors at the time Alan's now quite high up in DC Thompson and Craig Walker's now the editor of the Evening Express they were they were huge in terms of uh, my progression as well when I came in because I 
I came in not with a journalism degree because I actually, uh, going back to sixth year of school, I was, uh, all I needed was a pass in higher English. And uh, so I thought, I'm, I'm easily going to get this. And I just mucked about really mm. in sixth year. And I was doing my coaching badges for uh, the SFA. And I was managing the first year football team when I was in sixth year. And I was just thinking, oh, I'm going to get get this higher English. It came to the end of the year and I, I failed higher English. I'm a journalist that failed higher English. <laughs> and um, so I didn't, I didn't get into to Robert Gordon's uni, which I had the conditional offer for. So they said, if you can if you can go to Telford College in Edinburgh and do a journalism, a HNC in journalism, uh, we'll get you, and pass that, we'll get you into second year. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to miss a year. But the only reason I was getting that kind of uh, priority or like fast track was because I'd done work experience, I'd had published work. So I would always tell any young aspiring journalist, get, do work experience, get things published, uh, record things, get as you can because it stands you in much better stead than um, qualifications and degrees. Obviously they have they have their, um, their merits too but, um, but yeah when I was at the Evening Express they put me through my um, journalism course in Newcastle which I went down there for six months. Yeah. You do your press association through your shorthand, your law, Scottish and English law I had to learn um, public affairs, things like that you did video editing it was, that was really good and um, and you pass and do your senior exams like after that. But yeah, uh, in terms of uh, key influences, like, you know, like Alan McKay, you know, Craig Walker were huge for me. Yeah. Um, Charlie Allen, obviously, because he was my boss when I was on sport. Um, it was, they, were, they were great help, great people to go to advice to. And also Mark Davies, who was um, a trainee reporter at the time, and then he went on to news, and I took his trainee sports journalism yeah. job. Um, and Mark's, Mark's been quite influential in my life as well because mm. he, he's now um, online editor of the, the Sun Online down here in London but Brilliant. he was the one that took me also to, to London for the Mail Online when he was news editor there yeah yeah, no, it's it's it's, fa- it's fascinating to kind of hear uh, all these uh, names being bandied about and and just how much they've kind of made an influence on uh, on yourself. Uh, there is one thing I'd like to mention before we go any further. I had a big a bit of a shout out before uh, I recorded the show there this week uh, from a friend you might know, Gold Andy McLaren. Yeah, he was asking for you. He's uh, I I know him really well through darts and a lot of other stuff. So he was asking for you. <laughs> Andy, you've got you got yourself a plug, my friend, and I didn't even do that off my own bat. Um, so, so Andy, you had, you had a, a cracking time at the Evening Express, and then, bang, you get an opportunity to move to London. How did that come about? Um, well, I was lucky enough at the Evening Express. I was um, I'd moved on to news after my senior exams, and I was realising I was quite enjoying doing news. Because of my contacts in sport, having worked in the Highland League, Peterhead and Aberdeen, I was, I was also getting a lot of sports stories to the front page as well. Yeah. Um, I thought I was the variety of, of news, even though I, I did love football and I was able to delve back into that. Um, um, it, it got me a, a couple of awards, which I won the Scottish uh, Young Reporter of the Year in 2014, the Scottish 
Scottish Press Awards and I got the regional, got highly commended at the regional one in the UK in the same year and also the editor, editorial awards. So I was lucky enough to, that was enough to raise my, my profile and uh, Mark Davies, I was saying, who used to work at the Evening Express, he was then at the Mail Online and, and said, oh, why don't you come and come and uh, join us here if you're keen, keen to do so. So I, uh, I was, you know, it was a you know, no-brainer at the time. I'd done four and a half, nearly five years at the Evening Express and worked my way up. And I just felt it was the right time to, to make the big step and Absolutely. Um, go to Mail Online, which was, was very different. It's the biggest news website in the world and uh, very different to the Evening Express. Mm-hmm. How 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 must that have been? The, the step up was it daunting? Were you excited by it? Um, I was excited by it, and it was, it was daunting. Just, just I remember that first day; it was just a hundred miles an hour because you, you're working. You're not working on. Uh, you're now working on live news, and by the minute, everything has to go live um, immediately. Yeah, mail online. It's all. It's all about get it live first, mm-hmm. and then add to it. Um, Whereas at Evening Express you were working for the next day's paper. Obviously, if you were um, on edition, which like Evening Express still prints on the day, um, it was it was tight for time, and you were working on the tight deadlines. But up to the extreme pressures of of uh, Mail Online, it was a it was a bit of a culture culture shock. And there you either sink or swim. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I managed to, to get my head down and <laughs> really work work my way through and like kind of visualize how, how this place operates and yeah and yeah it's fun- to work working like that it's funny you mentioned about um, you know being bang bang and and get everything done very quickly. I mean, I, I listen to um, a, a lot of podcasts. One of them being the tennis podcast, which is one of my favourite uh, shows to listen to. And usually they get a guy called Simon Briggs on, um, who writes for a paper, and he uh, and he's he, he writes so many good stuff. But it's it, it feels like it's a hundred miles an hour, and it, it's fascinating just hearing similar things that he had and what you have as well. It's very very similar, different sport, but very similar stuff. Yeah, uh, the only thing I could relate it to that, I, that stood me in good stead at Evening Express was latterly, well, when I was there, I was doing the Evening Express website, so mm. I became like the online broadcast reporter, yeah. and they launched EETV and things like that, and so at Aberdeen Games and Scotland Games, I was doing the live feed yeah. um, on the website, and also doing the match report for the mm. website, so you had to do this live feed and also be writing the match report, which has got to be uh, live on the whistle. Yeah. Full time, you've got to have Aberdeen 2, MRS 1, whatever. Yeah. And uh, published with the whole match report that's actually legible yeah. for the evening. And then, so uh, that's the kind of pressure you are, you're doing two things at once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of the time, and you just have to learn how to manage that. And yeah, it was, it can take a wee bit of time, but yeah, like I said, yeah, I think I'm swimming that. And, uh, yeah, I thought. Yeah, I think you did pretty well there. To be to be uh, to be fair to you, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, obviously, we're moving into the world of social media and things like that, and uh-huh. with with mobile phones and technology being high profile. How how often does your phone go in a day? Do you have to? Do you almost have to like charge your phone up two three times a day? Do you have to almost have it on during the night? Is is it is it quite full on like that? Uh, yeah, it can be, especially if uh, there's things going on or a story that you've been involved in and uh, there's been a lot of reaction on Twitter, which 
has its pros and cons. Twitter's a wonderful place at times to get breaking news or yeah. live reaction and uh, also just gauging reaction. I love reaction Twitter. To yeah. things. Mm-hmm. But um, it can also have its downsides where um, people can hide behind uh, keyboard warriors. Yeah, uh, usernames and stuff like that and fake pictures. Well, just random pictures and uh, just abuse you as well. So yeah. It did have its downsides tonight and there's uh, obviously, I've had a few incidents with that, but not. Mm. Uh, I, I, luckily, I don't. I don't get it every day or anything like that. So it's how 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 do you how, how do you sort of kind of can you can you just freeze that out or uh, do you find that easy to do? Because uh, there was some of the vitriol that is put up on social media to people. I mean, I, I'm lucky. I haven't I haven't had that, and but I know a lot of people that have have had that stuff, and it's just so vile and horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that should be should be regulated too much. Yeah. But, uh, I think people who do accounts who are spouting racist abuse and um, horrible things like that should be able to be tracked down. Yeah, and shut down. And responsible for it. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. shut down and found out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's not yeah. nice at all. Let's move it to slightly more uh, happier venues. Um, so you do a lot of, a range of other things. You said that you're the features editor at Kicker. Can you tell us a little bit about Kicker? And- what the stuff you yeah, do? Yeah, so um, we're a, like an online video media company. We're like the production company, and we do video features um, with Premier League players, mainly about their lives. So think of like soccer AM style video features. Okay. Um, and we do that for mobile networks across the world, like um, in China, Japan, uh, South Africa, and the Middle East as well. Yeah. So, it's, uh, so all the videos we do go out to, to those kind of uh, countries and, and people who are signed up to the big mobile networks over there. Mm. So, sounds it's, it's good. It's, yeah. Sounds like yeah. a very different forum to what many of us are probably known to. Oh, yeah, de- definitely. It's, it was a huge uh, shift for me because I had to think not only as a content person, but also think commercially. You have to think about... Um, uh, Instagram influencers. Instagram's huge for for what we do in terms of like Instagram influencers coming to events, yeah. coming to shoot things like that. It's, it's uh, exploded it's, in the last five years. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, uh, following players' stories in terms of their Instagram stories, what, just understanding what the players are doing in their lives, and what they are, um, how they can communicate and connect, and what we what we now know is that. Instagram is the medium for footballers to connect with that. Well, just just show people a glimpse of their lives and also how they connect with each other and yeah. have fun and things like that. Whereas Twitter is more of a uh, professional forum sure. uh, for players to yeah. send a message or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's been it's been uh, good fun uh, working with players and doing, doing the shoots with them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been very different. And, uh, it's been good fun as well. Who, is there a favourite footballer that you've worked with? 
Oh, brilliant player. As a Man United fan, I love Mata. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it's a uh, very, very nice, very nice person actually. Probably the nicest person, uh, well, football or media. Yeah. Uh, person, celebrity, sorry, I mean, uh, that I've ever met. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, interesting. And uh, what I also found really interesting, I've only just kind of gotten into this, but you've also uh, you're also involved on the Totally Football Show, aren't you? Which is fantastic because I've just got my I've just gotten into it and uh, the main reason I get into it is because I'm a massive fan of James Richardson. Oh, okay, yes. So they uh, two seasons ago they launched the Scottish version. Yes. So you know they do the Golazo Italian yes. version and they've got the Football League show with yeah. Caroline Barker and things like that. Yeah. Andrew Slavin hosts the. Scottish version and uh, JJ Bull, who's also from Aberdeen yes. as well. Um, he works at Telegraph, he's on it a lot. Well, he's one of the hosts as well. Yeah. And yeah, I come in uh, often, usually like once a month as a guest to offer my opinions and analysis on yeah. the goings on of Scottish football at the time. So yeah, it's, it's that's uh, good fun. Got, got me into doing podcasts and things like that. It's, uh, it's Kicked off massively, and now they've got a good sponsorship and everything, yeah. and so I think that's uh, got a good future. Yeah, and, and podcasting, like like social media, has just exploded. Certainly in the last two or three years. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I, uh-huh. I I mean, I just I just do my show because I enjoy it. That 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 is basically what I do. But some people yeah. like 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 James's show, like a lot of other podcasts I listen to. It, you know, they, they they do it and they they do it extremely well, much more professionally than I could ever dream to do it. But uh, it's fantastic. Oh, this is very professional. <laughs> I talk a good game, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's, it's, it's quite funny how it, it all kicked off. I do remember when podcasts were becoming a, a bit of a thing, and then it sort of died down a wee bit. Yeah. And now it's just skyrocketed, too, because people can put, connect their phones to their, their cars now, and they can, through Bluetooth, and they just play podcasts, whether it's Sports Sound or Football Ramble or yeah. any other totally football show podcast. It, it, it's huge. If you, if you look at how else. Ty Perry's podcast, Open Goal, are doing now. They've got a live show. At yeah, the, Open Goal's been superb. Um, to the Terrace podcast, I yep. listened to that in the very early years, and now they've got a show on BBC. Um, it's, it's amazing how, how podcasting grew. I know 90 Minute Cynic um, is a Celtic podcast, and they've gone full time. Yeah, wow. That's, that's an actual job now. So, yeah. um, it's amazing that the medium of uh, podcasts has become so big. Because everyone on the commute, their long drives or um, on a train journey, plane journey, people are downloading podcasts now. It's not, um, it's, it's become big and yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, one last thing before we stop the sort of uh, first third of this. So you're, uh, you're you do a lot of stuff on Celtic fanzine, obviously a big Celtic fan. Can you explain a little bit as to what that's about? Because I, I imagine it's a little bit like a, a kind of off the ball version of Celtic. Is that right? Uh, a little bit more, more for uh, it's it offers more analysis and opinion without the uh, kind of shackles of the club, if you know what I mean, or yeah. your 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 own editors. You can you can have a proper rant on it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I started doing that when I was a student. Yeah. Uh, just like almost work experience, a bit of for extra cash, um, bit of pocket money for my beers for football yeah. trips or whatever, and then. When I went into mainstream media, obviously I had to cut ties with it, um, just because it was a, 
Celtic Arena. It's quite a political one as well. So it's um, it's uh, ed- editors done in uh, it's editorial is done in Ireland. Yeah. You're not like some of the people on Ar- you're not like some of the people yeah. on Arsenal fan TV, are you? <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's nothing like that. It's, 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 it's all about uh, Celtic, but also the, pol- the, pol- the political side that goes with it, and very left-wing politics, things like that. So obviously, if you're an editor at a mainstream media, you don't want uh, your journalists, uh, well, just be given free reign on that. So I. I I did uh, leave that when I was in mainstream media, but now I'm not in mainstream media. Mm. Back there since the start of this season, and it's, yes, it's uh, good. They've now started doing podcasts and things like that as well, and they do events before Celtic games. It's called Celtic AM at Malone's in Glasgow. Yeah, and yeah, so I've been a Celtic fan all my life, and season ticket holder for many years. One of the hardest things was giving up a season ticket, but. Uh, Hopefully they'll be at Euro 2020. <laughs> let's uh, yeah, let's uh, uh, let's not go yeah. there. Got my, got my tickets for the Israel game, and then I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm booking from London. It's quite cheap to fly to Oslo and to Belgrade, so I'm booking both, and then we'll go to one or the other. Yeah. Um, depending on what we get, and if we don't get anyone, if we get beat by Israel, then I'll visit my brother in Oslo. Ah, well, it's good that you have a contingency yeah. plan in place. Well, for those who are interested in. Well, for those who are interested in, in Campbell's footballs, of course, I have both Rob McLean and Ian Crocker coming up in the next three weeks. So I'll be interested to hear what they have to say about Scotland's chances. Do you think Scotland can make it, Anthony? Um, if you asked us a wee while ago, I'd have said, yeah, we'd have, we'd have definitely qualified through the playoffs. And I thought this was our banker, but now the closer it's getting to it, I think we'll beat Israel. Mm. I'm quite confident we'll beat Israel. But beating Serbia... Or Norway away, it's going to be very yeah, tough. Yeah, that's what um, I think as well. Being honest with you, I just and with injuries are mounting up and yeah, up. Yeah, like McGinn again, be there. McTominay. He's not, probably not going to be there. McTominay maybe not. Luckily, I think for central midfield, we've got a very good mm. group of players that yeah. are almost at a very similar level. I think even without McGinn, you've got Ryan, Jack, McGregor, and McTominay. If you can yeah. believe. Yeah, and John Fleck yeah, as well, who's been having a terrific yeah, season for Sheffield John United. Fleck, yeah. And that's, I'm not even talking about Kenny McLean or and, uh, look, Tom Kearney, who's one of yeah. Scotland's best players, can't, can't even get in the squad. No, for, no. For Stuart Armstrong as well, sort of resurrecting his career yeah. in recent weeks. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I'm in the agreement with yourself. I think we'll probably just scrape past Israel, but I, I, I think Norway will beat Serbia in the other game, and I think Norway just have a little bit of the Indian sign over us, and I think that might come to fruition, but I hope I'm wrong. Anyway, let's yeah. move it. Let's move into the uh, second half of the podcast. This first half hour or so has just really flown by. It's been fabulous to, to hear this already. Obviously, Scottish football in a winter shutdown, um, but there's been no shortage um, of talking points, uh, none more so than the uh, last Old Firm derby um, before the, the winter break. Rangers coming out on top 2-1 to close the gap on Celtic's lead at the top of the table to two points with a game in hand. What is your thoughts on the game, Anthony? Yeah, well, I mean, a very good performance from Rangers again. Uh, they were really impressive. They, well, they absolutely battered Celtic in the cup final, and then they, they dominated them again um, mm. at Parkhead, which is a huge statement of intent um, yeah. to get their first win in 10 years at, at Parkhead. And it, it shows that they they feel, they genuinely feel that they can they are a match for Celtic, and, and who's to argue with them but, mm-hmm. um, at the moment if they are a game in hand away from being top of the league and yeah. they've got all the momentum going into the into the break again mm. but uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they react now because uh, this time last year they had they were in a similar situation they were actually top of the league and they beaten Celtic in the mm. New Year derby and then Celtic just ran away with it yeah they well yeah, I remember Rangers but, going to Kilmarnock and they got beat 2-1 in the first game back after the break and that sort yeah, of where it sort of ran away from them a little bit so it will yeah. be interesting to see um, but obviously watching the game I mean I obviously watched it as well I, I, I Rangers played as well as they did in the cup final but obviously Celtic won the cup final but I thought what Rangers did so well in the game was they didn't allow Celtic time on the ball no they didn't they managed the game so well it was almost like what Celtic did at Ibrox yeah. they just managed the game perfectly and they kept on you could you could just see what they were doing um, I thought Paul and Golly had a pretty good game in the first half mm. in the second half he just looked very uncomfortable and what Rangers were doing was they were pressing Celtic in a way to play the ball to Paul and Golly and he just looked very, very uncomfortable and you had Kent and Aribo straight on him um, and, and he was making mistakes uh, Absolutely. Lots of interesting talking points. Um, obviously, the Celtic equaliser, Odson Edward put in Cal McGregor's shot. Looked like he used an arm, you know. And then obviously the 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 the, the red card for Morelos, the penalty that was awarded for Celtic in the first half. All contentious decisions. Um, but how did you think Kevin Clancy left the game? I don't think he could 
see the handball with that speed and McGregor blasted the shot um, Edwards what 10 yards from, away from the shot I'm not sure he, you can properly see that that's a handball and not give it but yeah if you had if you had uh, some sort some form of VAR then that would go and stand are you a fan um, of VAR? Um, I'm a fan of the way it's used in Europe and the way it was used in the World Cups um, I'm not a fan of the way the English Premier League use it so mm-hmm. in Europe they like at the World Cup the last World Cup um, they just go to a, a monitor yeah. and they look at the, the actual referee of the game goes to a monitor and looks at it and, makes, and decides whether he's made the right decision or not or yes. changed the decision where the English Premier League decided to go one further and have a whole room in Stockley Park near Heathrow Airport and have like six people refereeing the game yeah. and uh, well the referees all his decisions are getting um, overthrown by yeah. his I was going to say, do you see it coming to Scottish football? I think it will, because it's been rolled out in countries like Latvia and Estonia as well, so there's no reason why it can't be rolled out in Scotland. Mm. In terms of a video uh, monitor for the referee to go and and check, I'm not not talking about the way the English Premier League's got that. I I, I don't really think that's good for the fans or for for players and managers, uh, the way they've done it. So it'll be interesting to see how long they stick with that or whether they stick with that. But um, yeah, I, I think some sort Well, I think if VAR had come into play, there is no doubt in my mind that Christopher Julian's winner in the cup final wouldn't have counted. Yeah. Well, this is true. Yeah, this is true. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's, like I said, a lot of incidents uh, in the the games we've seen this season. Um, Alfredo Morelos, the enigma of Morelos. What's your thoughts on? Yeah. Um, what, what, what a player he is. He's a very good player. Uh, I, I think he's de- definitely destined for um, a top league, whether it's in England or abroad. But um, he's a hothead, and he's still he's still got that in him. But part of it is what drives him, is what makes him such a good player. But he's just he's a young lad, and he just needs to channel it. He's been channeling it better this season, mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, rush decisions or. Um, that aggressiveness and anger that he's got but uh, there's no doubt he's getting wound up by opposition players and fans every game but he's got to know that he's he's a bit of a pantomime villain at yeah. the moment so um, he's got to understand that as well and uh, channel it and he'll, him getting sent off is, is not good for Rangers I know in the the game the other week at Celtic Park who, it was too late for it to make up any change or um, Make it make it matter in the game at all, but uh, yeah, he's a great player, scored plenty of goals, and he's he's, he's a Colombian international as well. Rangers are going to get a lot of money for him. Yeah. Yeah, it'll certainly be very interesting to see uh, what happens. Obviously, he's he will be banned. Also, someone else will be banned is Ryan Christie um, for his incident in the Old Farm Derby, a three-match ban. I was listening to, um, I think it was a Super Scoreboard, the, the Clyde uh, radio station. Hugh Keevans, I think, was on it with uh, Alex Ray, and uh, they thought it was harsh, a three-match ban. What were you, What are your thoughts? Yeah, so 
part of that ban is because of... He was sent off against his, Livingston. Um, his red, yeah, his red card against Livingston. Where, um, what I... It is consistent, I think, isn't it? Because didn't Steve McLean... Steve McLean. The same two-match ban for... It was it, uh, was that not the cup semi-final against Celtic yeah, last year? Yeah, Yes, yeah, right, that's right. Murrayfield. Yeah. So he got given a two-match ban for that. And so Ryan Christie's got a two-match ban plus another one because he's already been sent off. Uh, so I would say it's consistent, but um, I'm not, I don't know uh, whether he's... Whether he's meant it or not, I, I, honestly, I honestly don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meant or, I think it's harsh. I yeah. think he's. I think Morel, Morales is not meant to, hasn't he? Yeah. And, and Christie's just like, oh, you've done me, and he's, he's tried to grab him. Yeah. It just so happens it's, it's on his balls. <laughs> it's, it's certainly going to be a huge loss for Celtic. Um, let's talk a little bit about Celtic because obviously they lost the old firm game. What does Neil Lennon need to do? Heading into the second half of the season, do they need to strengthen? In my opinion, they certainly need to get a striker in. Yeah, I would agree. I think they need a striker. I don't think this is going to be reliable if um, Edward gets injured or is suspended at all. And you can't just solely rely on one striker. Rangers have got it good in terms of if Morelos isn't playing, to throw films in and scores two goals or three goals sometimes. Yeah. Um, Celtic don't really have that they've been lucky that they get a lot of their goals from midfield so three players like Christie and James Forrest and McGregor and people like that but um, yeah I, th- I think they've got to get another striker whether that's on loan um, just to be back up because uh, Bio doesn't seem to be mm. up to much yeah. I've hardly, hardly played to reserve judgement properly mm. I hope Griffith uh, gets back to, to full fitness and form and he's uh, as long as he keeps coming on as a sub and getting his chances, but then hopefully I'll put a few away and just start start getting the bug back again. But um, yeah, I think Celtic need to strengthen up front. Yeah, um, I, I think it's huge for Scotland. I think, I think that's, that's yeah. it. In, in terms of it, Lennon's got a good squad there, and at the start of the season they were um, played some very good football in terms of attacking football, especially in Europe. They yeah. Were You mentioned, you mentioned Celtic and their run in Europe, obviously Rangers through as well. How good is that for Scottish football that both Celtic and Rangers are in the last 32 of the Europa League? Well, it's amazing for the coefficient because we're very, very close now to getting a second Champions League spot. And that's back to the days of the late noughties, isn't it? When Celtic and Rangers, I know in those days it went, they went straight into the group stages, but just having that second Champions League spot is great because it drops another league spot in the league yeah. So another yeah. um, Scottish team will get a Europa League um, team 
Well, I'm hoping it's Aberdeen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll, they'll be there still. I think we're going to start any. Well, um, if it's by default. <laughs> well, 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 I'll come on to them in a little while. But obviously, yeah, Celtic, yeah. Celtic got Copenhagen away. Um, Rangers against Braga. Um, I think there's a bit of an opportunity for, for both to go through. What do you think? Yeah, both teams should be favourites if, if they're not already. I think they are both favourites to go through by the bookies. I, I, I'd expect both to go through. I think it would be quite a bad a bad one if Celtic got there by Copenhagen. And Rangers have already done the business against Porto. They shouldn't fear Braga at all. Yeah. Um, yes, the both. Yeah. Doing really well in, in Europe and even away. So it used to be the thing that uh, Scottish teams, well, certainly Celtic and Rangers, would get thumped away and their uh, home grounds would be a fortress. Yeah. And uh, now they've managed to stiffen up it away from home and, and get results. Um, Rangers getting a result in Porto. They're very unlucky not to get a result. The young boys mm. um, just losing that goal in the last minute. But, Yeah. Well, it's quite a tasty Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 only improving the um, the kind of um, attention of Scottish football. Let's move into the rest of the uh, the, the fixtures before the interna- uh, before the um, winter break, I should say. Um, some mm-hmm. surprising results because uh, uh, Hamilton, Saint Mirren won, um, Livingston beating Hibs. Um, you know Aberdeen drawing with Hearts. Hearts now five points adrift at the bottom of the Scottish Premiership table. Do you worry for them? Uh, I do because how long can we keep saying, oh, they'll be okay. They've got a good enough squad. They've uh, a big enough team, etc. How, how long can I, which I have been saying. I've, I've been thinking that as well. But how long? How long can we keep saying that? And Stemmel, I know he's not given too much time in the job, but uh, hasn't had a big result to, mm. to properly get the fans going. They lost to Celtic, lost to Hibs, um, two with Aberdeen, I know they had 10 men as well, but that's that's probably more a bad result for Aberdeen. To mm. be but, mm. um, yeah, they, they need to kick on. I do think they'll kick on, but they've, they've definitely made it hard work for themselves. Yeah. Um, so, but it's interesting to see they're, they're definitely going to make some bold decisions already. Well, that's what I was going to say. Christoph Berang, Glenn Whelan, being told that they're not required, which is interesting. Yeah, um, that's bold decisions, but you've got to make bold decisions. Well, that's true. That's very true. This time, and uh, Berang, and it can be useful sometimes. Maybe his experience is better than um, his actual playing ability and fitness now, because he does he does look lethargic every time he plays, and like after sixty minutes, he looks knackered. Yeah. Um, And looking at the top six, you know, Motherwell um, lost. Aberdeen couldn't take advantage of moving to third spot. Um, who is favourite for that? Do you still make Aberdeen favourites to finish third? Yeah, I do. I think, and even just by by default, <laughs> when they'll finish third, I think they, they managed to do enough um, and win, win enough games to, to be better than the, the rest. And with heads and hearts both in disarray at the moment. Mm. Well, not so much heads now. Um, they seem to have got it clawed back with 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think Aberdeen will finish finish that. Motherwell have been going so well so far and managed to keep hold of Stephen Robinson. So plaudits mm. go to them definitely, and he'll. I think it's going to be a really interesting second half of the season, especially for some clubs who had some really poor results heading into this winter break. And I'm talking of teams like Kilmarnock uh, being a prime example of that. Obviously, have lost Angelo Alessio, haven't scored, I think, in seven games and have lost six of them, which is uh, quite astonishing. And they really are on, they really are in big trouble. They're only five points clear of the, the relegation playoff spot. And as I said, not great form. No, not great form. They've lost them. Which is a terrible December and Christmas for, for Kilmarnock fans. Um, but I, I didn't understand how Osaki, to be honest. Mm. They were sitting fifth in the league. They were just, they were almost like a mediocre team. A, mid, a typical mid-table team winning games, losing games, winning games, and losing games. But now they've lost five on the bounce. So I'm not sure. Um, how much of an influence Dyer will have yeah. uh, uh, I'm sure well you'll know a lot of the players from his previous time with Clark but um, yeah it's, it's tough for them but they, they, they were also punching massively above their weight absolutely under Steve Clark yeah. definitely when I agree were, yeah. when they were finishing third and under Steve Clark what, what he did with that group of players was incredible um, how they were nearly the season before even they were nearly relegated well they were in the relegation zone and he got them into the top six yeah. this time um, sorry last season he got them into third they're massively punching above their weight but so, so I, I think they'll be fine as in I don't think they're going to get relegated yeah. that, but uh, I, I think they'll be they'll be lucky to be top six this mm-hmm. season so, I think they'll probably stay around seventh or eighth so cards on the table then uh, who's going to go down and who's going to be in the playoff I'm gonna say this is bold. Uh, well, kids are in the table just now. I'm gonna say Hamilton will go down, and I think oh, it's gonna be tight. I think it's gonna be tight between St. Mirren and Hearts for the playoff. Interesting. So you oh, think Hamilton will go down automatically? Point. See, I think Hamilton will yeah, be in the. I think Hamilton will be in the playoff. Um, yeah, I, think I, I think St Mirren will go down because they don't score enough goals and that's no, yeah. no staying on Jim Goodwin because I, I like Jim Goodwin I think he's a great manager but I just think Hearts will spend in January and I have a sneaky feeling mm-hmm. that Stendhal has got some ideas of how he sees his team going forward I think he'll play a lot of youth players I think he'll try to play with pace and yeah. if they can get off to a good start after the winter break and they get a couple of wins they're back in it so, um, Yeah. yeah. You don't you don't become a bad team overnight. They're not playing to the level of ability that they've got. They just need the right management and structure there. Yeah. It's a very weird situation that yeah. they've been in and still is in a way with Craig Leeds still hanging about the club. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I think I 
I think we'll do enough to say yeah. that. And I, I, yeah, I, I agree. It'll be St. Mirren and Hamilton, but I'm going to say Hamilton go down yeah. um, automatically. I think it's going to be quite close. I mean, I really worry. I could worry a little bit for Ross County as well. You know, I think they might struggle because they've got quite a thin squad. So I, I have a little bit of question marks with it. And as I've just alluded to, I think Kilmarnock could struggle. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish ninth. I see St. Johnston getting out of trouble. They, they found a bit of form. Um, and I think, yeah. as I said, Living, well, Livingston are fifth. And I think they're going along nicely under Gary Holt. Whether they finish in the top six or not, I'm not too sure. But, you know, they're having a very respectable season. So we'll have to wait and see. That's for sure. Let's quickly yeah. have a let's quickly have a review of the English Premiership. Um, because obviously yeah. we've had two new managers. Because um, Carlo Ancelotti in Everton and Mikel Arteta has taken over the reins at Arsenal. Surprising yeah. appointments for you? Uh, I, I would have thought it, would have, it should have been the other way around. Mm. <laughs> Arteta, Everton, and uh, Ancelotti at Arsenal. Although I can sort of understand Ancelotti's not really a manager who builds a team or builds uh, an empire, if you know what I mean. Um, he's, he's usually someone that takes on a, a really good team that's already been winning and continues that success or yeah. goes one further. And Arsenal need a huge rebuilding job. That, mm. that club's in uh, dire straits just now for the size it is. Do, 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 um, do you, I was watching Arsenal in the FA Cup on Monday and uh, they got the result. I mean, they weren't good in the first half, but the second half, Arteta looked a little bit more animated. The sides certainly played better and they go line and they got the win against Man United. You know, I, I, I don't think they're going to be in the top four, but you could certainly see long-term that working for Arsenal. And then, from my opinion, I think Everton needed to go out and get someone high profile. And Ancelotti, I think, fits the bill. I think they're building for next season. I think if they can get top ten, it's a solid season yeah. for Everton, but I watched them in the Liverpool game, and for them to not beat a third string or second or third string Liverpool team was uh, pretty disappointing. I thought. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. Liverpool had their had their kids out there, and you're thinking, well, Everton played a pretty strong team as well. Mm. And mm. This is. Liverpool are only thinking about the league. The league is the most important thing yeah. for any Liverpool fan or player or anyone associated with the club. They just won that title. Um, so that, that was a great chance for Everton to get a win at yeah. uh, the local rivals. And uh, it was, I was quite surprised that, that Liverpool... Well, what a great goal it was as well from Curtis Jones. Oh, I remember yeah, Steve Wilson yeah. getting really excited about it on the match of the day. Uh, let's talk about Liverpool because obviously they're world champions as well since uh, my last podcast and fantastic for them. And it just goes to show you once again how well Klopp and Liverpool as a team are doing right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. But, hey, Klopp is one of those managers. I was telling you about Ancelotti. Uh, I don't see him as a manager. He can build Bigger, bigger tournaments are the continental ones as well. So I'm glad he took it, 
took it very seriously. Do you see them going on to dominate the Premier League in the decade? Uh, that's a good question. It depends how long Klopp stays, I think. And, yeah, it's... He's, he's just signed a new contract, doesn't he? Yeah, well, um, we, well, I know that it's there till I think it's 2024, and then Gerard is the same at Rangers, and you know, yeah. put two and two together and make four. <laughs> is there yeah. potential there? I, I think a lot of the English teams are perhaps going at the top end of the English league are perhaps going through, well, or on the brink of the transition period. You've got Leicester who are like firing up, up there at the second in the league. Neither do I. Champions League has got to be their focus. Yeah. If Gabriel can win the Champions League with City, does he then stay on again? I don't know. I think and then City go through that transition period. Chelsea yeah. are doing that just now. Man United, who knows when they'll be back to their best. But they're in fifth. It's not, not the worst case scenario for them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting you talk about... Um, it's interesting you talk about Leicester um, because I keep mentioning this to people who become guests on my show. I actually fancied right at the start of the season Leicester to get in the top four. And for them to be sitting second, you know, 14 points clear of Man United in fifth is phenomenal to them. But you mentioned about teams going through transition periods. Man United are my team. I mean, I watched the I watched highlights of their game against City last night in the Carabao Cup and they were very disappointing in the first half. I look at Spurs. They're going through a transition period under Mourinho. Yeah. You look at, as we've mentioned, Arsenal. And you look at other clubs like Wolves going along rather nicely under Nuno. Is he going to be there long term? That's going to be very interesting. I don't think Sheffield United are going to stick around there. Neither do I think Palace will. So I, I think maybe natural order, or in inverted commas, whatever that may be, will come to some sort of fruition. But I, I also think as well you'll see some other clubs getting in there as well, like your Wolves, as I've mentioned. I think they're a bit of an unsung team. And I think Leicester you know, will continue to be there. Whether Roger stays or not, long term, as you say, is going to be interesting. Because um, I, yeah. I, I personally see him ending up. Uh, I, I would love him at Man United, but I can't see it happening. But, uh, but no, you know, I not, think not after being Liverpool. Manager, no, 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 definitely not. Yeah. But, um, no, but like I said, I, I thought they were going to be a, a top six club this season, mm. but uh, they've exceeded all expectations so far halfway through. Um, Rogers has done an amazing job. I'm just disappointed I didn't have a bet on it because uh, I'm I'm pretty disappointed in my shout now because I, I as I said that was my sort of big prediction for the season. Um, in terms yeah. of the top, in terms of the top four, obviously Liverpool, Leicester, Man City, Chelsea at the moment. Do you see it being that four, or do you see a change before the end of the season? I think the top three definitely is going to be the top three in terms of 
I'm not sure what order. Well, Liverpool, I think Liverpool will win the league. So do I. City or Leicester um, finish second. I'm not, I'm not sure who will. But I, I think it all depends on who Chelsea sign mm. and now that they are able to sign players and how many of their current team they, they stick with. Because, um, yeah, they, they, they've probably done better than anyone thought they would. Yeah. But they've also, they can also be hot and cold. And yeah, that's well, what happens when you have a young team built. They've lost a lot of home games as well against some lower-ranked yeah, sides like West Ham, West Bournemouth. West Ham like, yeah. um, I think they've lost. The, well, they drew against Brighton. They lost against Southampton. They've they've yeah. lost some really disappointing games at, at home, and that will be frustrating for Frank and Co. Because if they'd won those games, you know they would have been well clear of uh, of Man United. Uh, that's for sure. Um, personally, I think. I think personally, I think Chelsea will slip out the top four. Uh, I actually fancy Tottenham to get in there. I think Mourinho will get money in January um, to spend, and I think I think they'll find a replacement for Harry Kane as well. I think they'll I think they'll get in there. I, I don't see United finishing fifth. I think they'll be lucky to finish top eight. To be honest with you, um, I think Arsenal will do better, but they won't get in there. I think Wolves will be where they are. I I, I, I just fancy Spurs for for that top four personally. But yeah, um, it's what what motivation for clubs like. Uh Wolves and Sheffield United and all that and Palace to yeah obviously I doubt they'll get fair uh, top four or top six or anything no. like that but to get to get a European spot absolutely a European spot because um, it's, it's too often clubs like uh, Man United or Arsenal can finish in there and then they don't take the Europa League seriously Wolves have taken the Europa League seriously this yeah. year and uh, if Sheffield United were in it I would like to think they would as well for Palace um, you want to see that. You want to see clubs, uh, English clubs, taking mm. uh, the Europa League seriously. Yeah. Last question before we move on to the predictions part of the show, which is my favourite part. Um, the bottom three, um, Norwich 14 points, Watford 19 points, Bournemouth 20 points. Do you see that bottom three staying that way? Yeah, maybe Villa dropping down at Bournemouth. I don't know, Bournemouth would be really bad this I think Watford will get out of trouble. The reason, I, the reason I say that, the reason I say that, is because Nigel Pearson. Don't forget, the year before Leicester won the league, they were bottom. Pearson kept them up, and then the following yeah, year they obviously won the league. And I think I'm not saying Watford will go exactly the same way, but I think they'll get out of trouble. And I I really worry for clubs like Burnley and Burnley, and uh, I still think Newcastle will be down there. Um, Norwich for me are gone already, and they're they're seven points from safety. Um, right. Bournemouth, I really I really struggle with it, but a lot of injuries. Same with Villa. I think they're going to be down there, but I I really worry for Burnley. I really do. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure about them. Quite a stuffy, a stuffy side. No one likes playing them. They're still quite old school. Um, and uh, they, they managed to win some random games. They like do. You them to yeah. They're the Hamilton of the English it's, Premiership, is what I tell people. Yeah, <laughs> they, just, they just refuse to go down. And West Ham are down there. I think West Ham will get in trouble. David Moyes will keep them up, I think. Yeah. Um, Southampton, you know, everybody thought they were dead and buddy, but credit to Hassan, who, oh, you know, they've had a couple of really good results. I think they beat Watford uh, a while back, and I was watching that game, and I thought that was the win that turned the corner for them. And, you know, I think they will I think they will be safe now. I, I, I They've got Danny Ings as well, scoring goals. That makes a big difference yeah. as well, getting a gang of goal scorer, that's for sure. 
But, uh, yeah, that's, it's, been a, it's been a really good month for them, even like. Well, they certainly yeah. had to respond following their, uh, uh, well, their nine-nil defeat last, against Leicester, didn't they? <laughs> okay, yeah. well, let's uh, let's move into the final part of the show, which is uh, my predictions challenge. This is where uh, the guest who is on my show pits their wits against me in my predictions challenge. Now, Anthony, we're in a really horrible time of the season where we have obviously no top-flight Scottish football, so it's just an English Premiership head-to-head this week. So let's see if All I right, could do. Yeah. Let's see if I could do well. Here. I don't really do well in the English Premiership, so uh, this could be very interesting. Yeah. So let's kick yeah, off. Right. <laughs> le- well, let's kick off with the game on Friday night at Bramall Lane between Chris Wilder, Sheffield United, and West Ham. Mm, Give us a scoreline. One-one says, Annie, I'm going to go for a narrow one-nil win for West Ham. I, I, I have a sneaky feeling that Moyes' side will get a win. I don't see it being a great game. I, I see it being a pretty tactical affair. I think one goal from a set piece might sell it, but Moyes and his crew, I think they might get a win. They got a bit of confidence by thrashing Bournemouth recently, and I think they'll get the win there. Now moving into Saturday's games, let's start at Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace against Arsenal. Yeah, that'll be quite a stuffy game, Palace. Uh, don't concede too many goals, especially at Sellers Park. Um, Arsenal in the back, back of the next pick up when they might they'll have their best players back again as well. I'm going to say 1-0 Arsenal. 1-0 Arsenal. I'm going to go for a really entertaining game here. I'm going to go for quite a few goals. I'm going to go for 2-2. I see Zaha being huge, as always, for Crystal Palace. But Arsenal, I think, going forward, look look quite good under Arteta. I was quite impressed with Nicolas Pepe. He seems to have found a little bit of form. Reese Nelson's been really impressive. He was very good, I felt, on uh, Monday night against uh, Leeds. Um, And obviously, Palace, you know, they lost against Derby in the FA Cup, which was a bit of a surprise. And I think... Uh, Roy Hodgson will be wanting some form of a response. I think he'll get it, but I don't think they'll get the three points. So I'm going for two all. Now, next up is one of these dodgy games for Chelsea at home to Burnley. Chelsea at home to Burnley, yeah. This is. Uh, I think uh, as much as I would normally think, well, this could be one of the games, this could be the traditional coupon buster. I think Chelsea will have just enough um, to get over the line. I will say. Uh, 2-1 Chelsea. 2-1 Chelsea. Well, I, I agree yeah. with you in the coupon buster stakes, but I'm not going to go for the same score, and I'm actually going to go for a score draw. I'm going to go 1-1. Um, I, I think, as we've said, Burnley are one of these teams. They get a result when you sort of least expect them, and you know this is the sort of game where they've kind of got nothing to lose, and uh, I think they'll get a point, so I'm going to go 1-1. Uh, next up is Everton against Brighton, who've done okay under uh, uh, Graham Potter this year. I agree with everything you said, but I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a close game. I think Everton will get over the line, though. I think they'll win two one. Um, I think Jahangbach uh, for Brighton has got a bit of confidence. He's got a couple of goals uh, in recent weeks, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another one. Sometimes when you're a goal scorer and you start scoring, you get that confidence surge, and you know, that could make a difference for Brighton. Obviously, not not rely on people like Glenn Murray for their goals. So I'm, I'm going to go two one Everton. I just think they'll find a bit of form, and I think Calvert Lewin will find a goal as well because I thought he missed quite a few chances in the FA Cup game. Um, next up is Leicester Southampton. Yeah, 
Leicester obviously absolutely destroyed them, embarrassed them, put mm. their fans down pretty yeah. much. Um, uh, the first game, which is even more embarrassing. I think it'll be closer because I think, as we've said, I think they've picked up a bit of form now. They've got some good results at um, the likes of Arsenal and uh, they were very unlucky against City away as well. Uh, but yeah, I think they will. It'll be closer, but I still think Leicester will win quite comfortably, and I'm going to say 3 1 Leicester. 3 1 Leicester. I'm going also for a two goal marshal, but I'm going to go 2 0. Leicester don't concede many goals at uh, the King Power, although they did, of course, concede four against Liverpool in boxing day. Um, but I, I, I think Southampton will be better, but again, I still think Leicester will have too much. So I'm going for 2 0, and I'm going for Vardy to continue his fine goal scoring form with a goal. Now, my team next Man United against Rock Bottom Norwich. Norwich, Man City, of course, and then they sort of kind of fell apart for them yeah, a little bit. Still much time. Everyone kept on remembering that game against City. Oh, Norwich have done well. Norwich have done well, and then realising, wait a minute, they're not very high up the table, and they're not doing that well. Yeah. I think Man United will win 3-0. 3-0. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. I don't think it'll be a, a brilliant Manchester United performance. I think they, I think they need one. I think Ollie needs one. And uh, there's no doubt that Norwich will give everything their heart and desire but I think United will just have a little bit of quality I think Rashford is huge for United if they're going to get in the top four uh, I'm going to go 2-0 in this one now an interesting game next Wolves against Newcastle who Newcastle have got a little bit of a, a bit of a bogey team for Wolves yeah they are um, I, and I think they'll continue that I think Newcastle will continue that they have been I'm, I'm going to go for Wolves to sneak the three points. I think they're going to get their scourge off their back. Uh, I think Raul Jimenez is going to get a goal. I've been really impressed with him this season. I think he's been one of the best players outside of Liverpool and Man City and all these guys. I think he's been an unsung uh, hero for Wolves this season, along with other players as well. But uh, he's been scoring loads of goals. With, with Steve Bruce, with Newcastle, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a side that's very tough to beat. Um, but I still have a little bit of problems scoring goals um, Joe Linton yeah. for me isn't doing it uh, Almiron is okay he's on their way but it, you know it's taken him far too long to get off the mark I just have a bit more trust in Wolves and I'm going for them to win 2-1 now half five and I will be trying to watch this game Spurs against Liverpool yeah I think this is the game of the weekend surely yeah it gotta be yeah, yeah, he drop against Liverpool again I, would, I, th I think they'll give them a really good game Spurs this time um, so I think it'll be quite tight and I think it might be quite an enjoyable match but mm. it's, it's, yeah, I'm not predicting a uh, goal fest but I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool 2-1 uh, Liverpool it's going to be very very close and Liverpool just edge it I think they've just got enough quality about them the Spurs I do think they need to strengthen this this window so to like. properly be that that uh, top 4 top yeah. 16 that they want to be if Kane was fit I was going to go all out and I was going to say I think Liverpool's unbeaten start was going to come to an end. Um, but, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm not. I'm going to go for a draw. Um, I, I actually think it's going to be a very tight game and I'm actually going to go for something I very rarely do on this podcast and go for a nil-nil. I think Mourinho 
will set Spurs up to not concede goals. And I just think yeah. that he'll say to Liverpool, you come and break us down. And I'm not sure yeah. that Liverpool will be able to do that. So I'm going to go nil-nil. Um, but as I said... I'm if- going to watch that game on Saturday night. It's going to be that <laughs> Watch this space, it'll be 4-4 now But I very rarely go for nil-nils on the show But I'm I'm going for one here Uh, Next up, oh well it's two games on Sunday Um, First up is a big six-pointer in the bottom three Bournemouth against Watford Uh, Some two teams whose defences have been shocking this season I'm going to go for a goal fest here I think it's going to be a Desmond 2-2 2-2 I'm going to go for a Watford victory here Um, I'm going to go 3-1 um, as I said, I've been quietly impressed by Nigel Pearson's return to the Premier League. Um, okay, they blew a 3 0 lead against Tranmere in the FA Cup, but I don't think that's got anything uh, that will have an effect on this game. I really question Bournemouth. I know they, I know they beat Luton very comfortably, but as you rightly say, aren't they? They'd be conceding far too many goals, and I still think they have far too many injuries as well. And Watford will exploit that with their power and their presence. Um, you know, players like Didi coming back from injury are huge for them and I think that could be the difference I'm going to go 3-1 Watford and last game up is Villa against Man City yeah I think Villa have lost a lot of their, their sting in their side with, without them again definitely yeah. I agree with that I think they're, re- I think they're really going to feel that um, the second because they don't really have a player like them apart uh, from Grealish they do, they do have but they do have players like Grealish but I think McGinnis has got a bit more bite about yeah I agree um, in centre mid City. I'm going to go for half of your scoreline. I'm going to go 2-0. Um, I, th- I think Villa will make it a, a, an interesting game. I think they'll sit in and try to keep it tight, but I think City's quality will take over. I think De Bruyne will get a goal on, on Sunday simply because he's in my fantasy team and I really want him to do well. Um, but yeah, I think City will win. Um, and there's nothing really more to be said than that, really. Um, well, that brings me very much and very timely to the end of another episode of Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. I hope this week's show is just exactly what the doctor ordered to kickstart your 2020. Um, Anthony, it's been a real pleasure for you coming on the show, mate. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks for having us on. It's been good fun. No worries, and best of luck with the rest of your career, and I'll certainly be keeping a watching eye on uh, how you're getting on, that's for sure. Cheers, thanks, thank you. Nah, no worries, and uh, thanks very much to everybody who's listened to this week's show. I will, of course, be back next week for another episode where I'll be joined by BBC Scotland and BT Sport commentator Ron McLean for a Scottish Cup special. So do tune in for that. <laughs>